And I'm Vanessa. And welcome to another episode of the Tap on the Wrist podcast. Yes. I think 123. 123. Yes. <laughs> I only know that because I edit the odd episodes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am tired. Laura and I had a long weekend. <laughs> we had quite a weekend. I think actually earlier this week, Laura was like, get ready to see me every day this weekend. <laughs> and it has come true. Yes. Because Friday we had a book club with some friends, which was great. And then yesterday we did Sleep No More, uh, which is an experience you can do in New York. It is the play of Macbeth, but uh, told in a very unique way. Yeah, we can't even go on to try and explain no, it to you. No, no. <laughs> it is an interactive... Multi-room... Dance, interpretive dance, modern dance. In silence. In silence. You have to put on a plague mask. It's You just have to go experience it yourself. Yeah, you walk around, you go through stuff, you happen upon acting scenes and dances. It's, it is an experience. Yeah. Definitely should do it. Um, You're not going to do like anything else like it, basically, ever. So... <laughs> And they also had really good cocktails at the bar they beforehand. Did. My cocktail was phenomenal. It was really good. Um, so highly recommend getting there early to have some cocktails. I mean, you can have cocktails after as well, too. But uh, I don't know. I was feeling nervous, so I felt like the cocktail really helped to to get me in there. Yeah. But I'm very tired because I was, as Laura can attest to, I was literally like booking it, chasing after different actors to go to their next scene with Every them. time I saw Vanessa, <laughs> in which we were not allowed to talk, uh-huh. she was running. <laughs> she was just like running from room to room. <laughs> this morning I was like, my legs really hurt. And then I was like, that's eh, probably because I was running up and down stairs and between rooms and just trying to keep up with these different actors. Yeah. I wanted to see their whole storyline. And like Laura and I saw some similar things and also some vastly different things. And I can only imagine that if we went back, we would probably see things that neither of us saw the first time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if you come to New York or if you live in New York and you want a unique experience, it's called Sleep No More at the McKittrick Hotel. They also have a couple bars on site, too, if yes. you just want a good cocktail experience. but They also have a magic show, apparently, yes. that we're going to have to go to one day. I know. I highly recommend. It is a little pricey, just yes. FYI, but it is worth it, I think. It's, I think so. It's definitely one of those experiences that you'll be talking about. Yeah, I feel like the whole night, because we went to dinner after, we just like kept bringing it up, and we were like, and another thing! <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, it's a good time. But today we're not talking about New York and its many cool experiences. We're talking about Madagascar, not the cartoon, the country. Which is the first (laughs) thing I thought of when my friend suggested Madagascar. I immediately pictured the animated movie. (laughs) I love that movie. It is literally one of the only things I know about Madagascar. Yes. Is that they have wild safari animals. Yes. Because of that movie. Um, And I learned a lot this week. Oh, for sure, yeah. you will hear when you listen to this episode. We're going to be posting some pictures on social media. So if you're not following us on Instagram, make sure you are at a tap on the wrist. And feel free to reach out to us with story ideas, country ideas, cocktails that you've tried, bars you've tried, 
cool experiences you've had, like sleep no more, because we're down to do more of those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, tap on the wrist podcast at gmail.com. And uh, let's let's travel to Madagascar. Let's do it. So for my story today, I am going to be talking about bootleg alcohol in Madagascar. Uh, specifically about Tuk Gassi. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Because the only version was a French man on the internet. Uh, <laughs> um, and Tuk Gassi. Uh, describes any rum produced in Madagascar without an official license. So Tokgasi literally translates to mean Malagasy alcohol. Okay. Very self-explanatory. Uh, it is traditionally prepared by locals in their villages, and it's drunk daily at any time of the day, whenever they want it, just want some illegal rum. You just go for it. There's no real rules. Breakfast rum, lunch Breakfast rum. Breakfast rum. <laughs> rum in the morning. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <clears throat> um, however, the rum does also hold a special importance to the locals, and it is used during many important events and special occasions in Madagascar, including marriages, circumcisions, and sacrifice ceremonies. I mean, they're all the same thing. <laughs> That's what I saw written, and I was like, okay. I mean, I guess we drink at all of those events, too. At <laughs> your sacrifice <laughs> ceremony, you always make sure you drink? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, <laughs> and I've been to so many circumcision parties. <laughs> I've actually never been to a brisk in my life. No, no, no. I have no idea what happens, but I assume there's some kind of drinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I did want to find out, like, if there was a specific way that they use this rum, aside from obviously drinking it. Um, So I did find an article from the Smithsonian Magazine that describes the use of tokgasi in a ceremony for the opening of a new ranger station in South Central Madagascar. So it said, quote, an elder tribesman's, sorry, quote, an elder tribesman's dreamed toka, or tokgasi, a uh, homemade rum onto the parched ground from a liter sized plastic water bottle as he murmured a string of prayers. That seems dangerous. Why? Like if someone sets fire. Yeah. <laughs> he just puts bootleg moonshine rum <laughs> on the floor on the didn't you say like the parched ground that's what it said so dry ground <laughs> like that's literally how forest fires start madagascar needs some smoky the bear assistance well we're not we're not done oh, so he goodness. pours it from a liter sized plastic bottle as he murmurs a string of words <laughs> Continuing to chant and pray, he poured rum into the building's corner and emptied the bottle by vigorously splashing the crowd. So now the parched floor, <laughs> the corner of the building, and the people are covered <laughs> in alcohol. This is a very weird ceremony. <laughs> Hopefully no one's smoking or using fire of any kind. Um, but 
like it kind of reminded me of like the way that Catholics might use like holy water by like sprinkling it, you know, like in a new house when you buy a new house and you're blessing the house or yeah except it's water instead of alcohol so probably safer <laughs> probably <laughs> um so the way tokasi is traditionally distilled uh is by or sorry the way tokasi is typically distilled is by local sugarcane farmers who reserve some of their crop for the distillation of the spirit According to writer James Patrick, the largest area of Tuk Gassi producers can be found in the eastern limit of the High Plateau or the central band of the highlands that dominates inland Madagascar. Apparently, the abundance of bootleg alcohol is produced here due to the mix of its obscurity and privacy, its climate, and its proximity to Madagascar's cities, aka their clientele. According to Mata Magazine, villagers prefer to use a mixture of tamarind and sugarcane shred for rum production. Both products would be harvested, cut into tiny pieces, crushed or mashed, mixed, and then left to ferment. Typically, depending on the weather, the match is left to ferment for about seven days in oil barrels that have been sealed with clay, uh, and one barrel can produce about 20 liters of rum. After the mixture has fermented, the brewers will put the barrels on an open fire, usually a half barrel at a time. Then a handmade distillation, distillation apparatus is used, which consists of a metal pipe in a wooden trowel filled with water. And the, mag, the magazine article I read specified probably dirty water, so. Oh. Yum. Uh... <laughs> And I'm going to quote the magazine, uh, which describes the rest of the process. So they said, the evaporating alcohol is led from the oil barrel into the metal pipe where the surrounding water cools down the vapor and the alcohol condenses. At the end of the pipe, there's a small drain with a simple empty Coke bottle beneath. The drain often has a small dirty piece of wool working as a rudimentary filter. The result is a clear fluid that is really strong. Dirty wool and dirty water. I, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know. It just feels extra bootleggy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, another explanation of the process of making the tokgasi, it was in the article that I read by James Patrick, where he describes accidentally stumbling upon a tokgasi producer. He wrote, abruptly, we emerge into a clearing in the field. The space is about 30 feet wide. Walls by sugarcane with a large pit in the center. Three men, drenched in sweat and breathing heavily, stand at the edge of the pit. pit. Each holds a tall wooden baton with both hands. As one, they raise the batons above their heads. Then they bring the batons down in an executioner's stab, the tips crushing the contents of the pit. Very slowly, it dawns on me that I have found the factory. The owner of the land then tells James, quote, the holes are dug and we build a fire inside that hardens the earth. Then we juice it, cover it with bamboo leaves, and let it ferment for a week. So they're using like a hole in the ground as opposed to a wooden trowel, I guess. Okay. Or oil barrels. Interesting. I'm, I'm realizing right now 
how little I know about the country of Madagascar. Yeah. Because, like, I'm not going to lie, when I hear the word Madagascar, I immediately think of an animated Disney movie. Yes. Same, and honestly. I I think of safaris and lions and zebras and it being an island off the coast of Africa. But I'm thinking it's probably... And I, I say this not knowing, and I could be completely wrong. It's probably very poor. I think so, yeah. That I think, based on what I read, that it that it is. And I didn't come across that kind of research doing my story this week. Mm-hmm. So I don't know much about the economy and really what like the cities are like mm-hmm. in Madagascar. But this whole vision you've set up leads me to believe that like it's pretty rural yeah i mean it does mention that like where they make this is like kind of near the city so i guess there probably are cities but then there are probably just like very rural poor areas uh as well there's probably a mix interesting um Actually, for a little more info, I'm uh, I'm about to get to a little bit more info. Uh, okay. Uh, so it does seem that there are multiple ways to make toka gas or tok gasi, as I said. Uh, but no matter how these locals make it, it always results in a very strong rum. Uh, again, because it isn't regulated, it can go even above seventy five percent pure alcohol. So. Wow. Really get you fucked up. <laughs> you really gotta dilute that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, took gassy is so strong, in fact, that there are rumors that a sniff of it can singe off your nose hairs, uh, and even that it can resurrect the dead because it's so strong. Oh, okay. Uh, and maybe in part because of this, and also probably because of its affordability, uh, though there are legal rum brands. That can be purchased in Madagascar. Tuk Gassi uh, remains an extremely popular drink of choice for the locals. Um, in southern Madagascar, one liter of rum will cost about two thousand. I forgot to look up how to say this form of money. R R R I A R I A R Y. Sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, the tourists are often charged double or triple the price of a local. Um, and then the writer I mentioned, James Patrick, noted that many sellers earn about 15000 uh Malagasy Ariari, uh, which converts to approximately $5 USD per round trip. So for a round trip to make and sell it, they'll make about $5. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that, like, leads me to believe there are very, like, Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a lot of work for $5. Yeah. Uh, And if $15,000 is $5, then $2,000 is probably, like, not even a full dollar. Right. Like, what they're selling a liter of it for. Um, Okay, so in terms of taste, I couldn't really find a lot, but I assume that it has, like, the taste of moonshine would be my guess. I say Everclear. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, The only, like, very vague description I got was, again, from James Patrick. Although if it is a rum, 
it could be a little sweeter. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, Everclear is more, like, Right, because it's made with the yeah. sugar cane. So it's got the sugar, to, like, yeah. So probably it's, like, sweet, just very potent. Yeah. So he says, my impression has always been that the distiller was aiming at the best possible price-to-proof ratio with little regard for subtlety, subtleties like taste. Um, millions of Malagasy's, as the people of Madagascar are known, do not share my quibbles, and the market for affordable super strength alcohol is vast. Uh, and from what I could find, Tokugasi is typically drunk neat, but it can also be flavored with exotic fruits and spices or blended with coconut milk to make a punch cocoa cocktail. Drunk meat? Yeah, I like 75%. Just, yep, you just drink it as is. Jeez. Like this guy described, like for random. breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> this guy described, like he was like making, <coughs> he was making his way through Madagascar, and like a guy just came out, like an old man, and like gave him a cup of the chuck gassy. No, and he was she just drinking. I mean, like okay, so here's the thing: if I'm on vacation in Madagascar, yes, would I try it? I don't know. Maybe. Like, yeah. I could see if I'm on, like, a, a guided tour. Yeah. And they go to, like, a stand where they know that people are making it homemade. Because I'm sure, and I don't want to get ahead because you might be talking about, like, the dangers of it. Yeah. But, because we've learned yeah. that all homemade alcohols come with dangers. So, like, if it was, like, one of those, like, homemade but, like, homemade for tourists. Yeah on a guided tour kind of things. I would try a sip of it. But like, I'm not drinking a whole cup by my... Like... Yeah. I need that shit with some juice. You can have it with some coconut. This is coconut a, milk. Give me... Blend it into a pina colada. <laughs> like, I... Like, I don't drink a cup of rum... Yeah. ...on the rocks. Yeah. I know. Uh, anyways. It seems... It seems not my cup of tea. Especially not at any time during the day. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Togassi in the morning. <laughs> Togassi at supper time. <laughs> if Togassi's poured on you, you know it's a sacrifice. <laughs> human sacrifice to be clear (laughs) (laughs) I'm really sorry you guys had to witness that singing (laughs) (laughs) oh man um so as I said took gassy is unregulated um but the law does allow for production of it only for one's own consumption, not to sell it. Uh, However, no one really enforces that law. Uh, <laughs> probably at least in part because the production of it is so important to the economy of entire villages in Madagascar. So taking away the production and sale of it would do a lot of damage to people's income. One man who worked as a smuggler, distiller, and vendor of Tokugasi... <laughs> he then said, he's a busy man, quote, There is nothing in Madagascar without Tuk Gassi. 
Even the officials know this. They can't stop the took. The bribes we pay are little more than a tax. Uh, so it does seem that law is enforced in some places. So, for example, in Mad in Mada magazine, they did say that, like, in certain areas, if the police catch you with several bottles of took, uh, or if you try to smuggle liters of rum from the south of Madagascar, you will have to pay high penalties. I bet you that applies more to tourists than the locals, would be my guess. Like, if you were trying to, like, take it with you. Yeah, I guess. Um, so, uh, as Laura implied, because it is unregulated alcohol, a bootleg alcohol, you have to kind of be careful when you try it. Um, there are many who dilute Tuk Gassi, unsurprisingly, since it's so strong, but they dilute it with water. And apparently in these areas in Madagascar, water is pretty unsafe. Um, and pretty dirty, uh, so that can lead itself to severe illnesses. And then, of course, as we've heard with many bootleg alcohol stories, there have been several cases of poisonings and deaths from drinking took gassy in Madagascar. Um, I even, like, kind of perused a medical journal, but there were some pretty gross pictures, but they mentioned that took gassy increases the risk of mortality, mental illness, and traumatism by accidents or suicides. Um, the article is specifically talking about an issue with like someone's eye and losing their eye. And I, I couldn't read more. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Google it if you're interested. Um, so I did find a couple large cases of poisoning by probably took gassy in Madagascar. So first, in 1998, an entire village in North Madagascar was poisoned by bootleg alcohol, leaving around 200 people dead. So that was a lot. That's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. A few years later, in 2002, in Madagascar's capital, there was another unfortunate incident with bootleg alcohol that left 11 dead uh, and about 40 others that were sent to the hospital. The poisoning was so bad that doctors believed many more had died at home and that it just wasn't reported to the authorities because apparently um, it's tradition there to remain with the body of a recently deceased relative, I guess for a while before burying them. So people wouldn't have called to have the bodies removed. They would have just like handled it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and in this case, there was methanol in the alcohol. Uh, which we know, again, from past episodes, is not good for you. Um, and doctors working on the case said that, like, the best cure would be to drink an ethanol-based alcohol, such as whiskey or pastis. But I guess, unfortunately, in this area that the hospital was in, they didn't really have those alcohols in stock. Um, so I guess that led to, like, continued illness and death in some of the patients. Um, there were disputes about whether this was a bad batch of Tokagasi specifically or another lethal concoction, but either way, they know that it was consumed in an illegal bar in the poor district uh, west of the capital. Um, I didn't want to end talking about Tokagasi on a negative note, though, um, because it's so important to the people of Madagascar. So I did find a quote from Let's Travel More that says, 
If you haven't tasted traditionally prepared rum, then Tuk Gassi is the right drink for you. Tuk Gassi should be one of your main targets as you explore the drinks of Madagascar. But just be careful. Yes. Yes. Um, and I did just want to mention really quick this other uh, type of alcohol that was consumed in Madagascar because it came up a couple times um, while I was reading about Tuk Gassi, but it's called... Bitsa Bitsa. Uh, again, not sure if I said that right, um, but it is similar to Tokgasi because it's made with sugar cane, um, but it's a mix of sugar cane um, aromatized with wild fruits or certain peels. Uh, it's produced on the east coast of Madagascar and it's sold in most small groceries, grocers uh, in the bush. Uh, and there are even some commercialized brands of it. Um, it's very slightly fermented and usually doesn't exceed four or five degrees, uh, which makes it more of a refreshing drink than like the super strong toke gassy. However, they say if it is distilled, it will then become a very strong rum like toke gassy. So if you don't want to drink a super alcoholic drink, but want to try something in Madagascar, you can try uh, Bitsa Bitsa instead. That sounds promising. <laughs> Um, so my main sources for the story were Moonshine Kingdom by James Patrick, uh, which I found on Slate.com, but it was actually on a couple of different websites. Um, then Tuk Gassi, The Rum That Resurrects the Dead by Miska Sipa on Madamagazine.com. Uh, Deadly Brew Hits Madagascar from the BBC and The Most Popular Drinks in Madagascar from Let's Travel Awesome. Okay, I found an article a few months ago about a woman in upstate New York who got pulled over and registered three times the legal blood alcohol limit after allegedly downing a bottle of vanilla extract. Interesting! And I'd kind of forgotten about it uh -huh. until this week. Yeah. And I was trying to research what I was going to do my story on. Uh-huh. And it kept coming across as one of the biggest exports from Madagascar. Yeah, definitely. Being the vanilla bean. Yes. I think probably besides the, the movies, the Madagascar movies, the thing I think of most in terms of Madagascar is Madagascar vanilla. Like, you know, vanilla bean from there. Right. Yeah. And so I... I was like, I wonder if I can turn this into a story, mm -hmm. and so that's what I'm going to do. Great. Okay. So, we are going to jump a little bit today between the history of, like, the vanilla bean, how vanilla extract is created, and then a little bit into, like, American laws, simply because each country regulates their imports and exports differently, mm -hmm. and so... Some of the reasons that extract is sold the way it is sold is strictly American laws. Okay. Even though it is the Madagascar vanilla bean. Right. That we're talking about. Just so we're all on the same page. Okay. Okay. So around the world, there are lots of different types of vanilla beans, mm -hmm. but there are basically three main varieties that 
are known worldwide and sold the most. So the first being Mexican vanilla beans, mm -hmm. the second Madagascan vanilla beans, and the third are Tahitian vanilla beans. So what's funny about that is I feel like I know more about Madagascan and Tahitian. I feel like I never hear about Mexican vanilla. Yeah, I know. But the origin of vanilla is actually in Mexico. Interesting. And it's cuttings from the Mexican plants that were brought over. That started the Madagascan plan. Okay. But I am going to focus on Madagascan vanilla. Right. Um, which is also called bourbon vanilla. Love that. But despite the name, it has no correlation <laughs> to bourbon whiskey. Uh, instead, bourbon refers to the place where the vanilla is grown. Okay. Um, similar to Champagne, France, or... Um, Kentucky whiskey. Right. Bourbon is the region of Madagascar that bourbon vanilla is grown. Okay. And Madagascan vanilla comes from the same plant that I said and has the basic same flavor notes as Mexican vanilla. Mm -hmm. It's very sweet and creamy versus Tahitian vanilla, which while it is the same plant, it tends to be a bit smokier. Okay. Because of the environment it is grown in. And so vanilla, which I've never really stopped to think how it is grown. Um, it is an orchid. Okay. And that orchid was brought from Mexico across. Um, it says to like all of the areas kind of in the Indian Ocean in the 1800s. Uh -huh. And all of these countries now supply two-thirds of the world's vanilla. Uh, and the biggest difference between Mexican vanilla and Madagascan vanilla is the way that they are pollinated. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more okay. later. So in order for in order for this plant, which is an orchid, to bloom and produce flowers, I really, any plant, it has mm -hmm. to be pollinated. Mm -hmm. um, and in Mexico, it is pollinated by bees, which is typical. But in Madagascar, the vanilla orchids are pollinated with a special te technique by human hands. All vanilla orchids in Madagascar are pollinated by humans. Wow. So this That's technique... That's a lot of effort. It does. <laughs> the pollination technique used in Madagascar was discovered in 1841 um, on one of the tinier islands of Madagascar. Uh, it was actually a 12-year-old slave named Edmund Albius who figured out how to carefully join the male and female parts of the flower together using a whittled stick, which then allowed the orchid flower to grow which eventually will produce a prized vanilla bean. And still to this day in Madagascar, this method is called la geste de Edmond or Edmond's gesture. Uh-huh. Um, now, after a flower is pollinated in Madagascar, it takes almost three years for this new pollinated plant 
to like the new orchid vine to begin producing flowers. And when Three the vi- years. Yes. It's a long time to wait. And then when the vanilla orchids do finally form, they're only in bloom for 24 hours. Oh my god! So farmers have to be very observant and know their farms and vines very closely. And when each flower bud opens, which happens like usually in the late morning of the day it blooms, uh-huh. each single pollinated flower only produces one vanilla bean. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't think I realized <laughs> I don't think I realized like how intense it was to make vanilla like yes it seems so readily available i'm gonna get there (laughs) okay so the beans um they grow green on the vine Mm -hmm. um for like roughly six months before they're ready to harvest Mm -hmm. um so you have to like i'm not entirely sure it's like a very laborious process yeah Sounds it. (laughs) And that's not even the hardest part of the process. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait until what I'm about to tell you now. So after the beans are then harvested. Okay. They're like these green pods. They almost look like green beans. Okay. Which is not what vanilla beans look like. No. Um, They have to then be curated. So... I read an article that quoted um, a woman named Meg Merrifeld, and she is one of the business managers of Must Vanilla, which is a family-run vanilla exporting business in Madagascar. Okay. So these green vanilla beans have no flavor or aroma when they're harvested. It's the enzyme reaction that happens during the curing process. That allows the vanilla flavor to develop. So for 30 days after they've been harvested and they look like green beans, the beans enjoy sunbathing in the day. They enjoy it. (laughs) Hold on. And then at night they are wrapped in blankets. Stop it! (laughs) To sweat in the tropical night air. They are carefully massaged every day. These beans are treated better than I am. To ensure an eating curing throughout the pod. Who figured this out? I have no idea. Who was like, I'm going to take 30 days to let this thing grow, (laughs) pick it at the exact right time, then let it sunbathe, tuck it in at night, and give it massages. I don't know, but can I be reincarnated as a vanilla (laughs) (laughs) so meg is quoted as saying it's an everyday thing you have to massage the beans you have to smell the beans you have to know how long they need to be out in the sun it's one of the most unique products in the world it's a very involved process and very few people know how to do it it is such a local thing to madagascar this is mind-boggling yes because i eat vanilla things all the time yes well we'll get there okay which is why the demand for madagascar pure vanilla greatly exceeds the supply yeah 
and it is why vanilla stands as the world's second most expensive spice. Is it? It costs $270 a pound, only behind saffron in the world. Madagascar vanilla beans. Well, now, you know, shame on all those people who talk shit about, like, vanilla over, like, chocolate's better and vanilla's boring. <laughs> like, vanilla's always described as, like, the boring plain thing. But that's because it's using imitation vanilla. Yes. But... Or not Madagascar vanilla. Yeah. Um, okay. So now, let's say you've gotten your hands... On some Madagascar On a vanilla. pure Madagascar vanilla bean. Okay. Can you picture what vanilla beans look like? Yeah. They're like, if if you at home have not, it's, it almost looks like a burnt green bean. It's like yeah. a brown. See, I've actually never used one. No, I never used vanilla beans. But I've, but I've seen, seen them. them. Yeah. And You're right. That's basically what it looks like. It's yeah. It's like a dark brown Green bean. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you need, but you don't eat the the outside of the bean. So you have to get to the seeds inside. That's mm. the flavorful part of it. Right. So to get to the seeds of the bean, you take like a small paring knife and make a slit down the pod. Uh-huh. Um, you want to leave like kind of the bottom intact and like kind of butterfly it open. Uh-huh. And then you would drag the edge of the knife down the pod, gathering all the seeds, like, in one swoop. Okay. And the seeds look a lot like caviar. They're, like, little round pearls. Okay. And at this point, you can put these vanilla seeds into your baked goods. They're uh-huh. amazingly flavorful because they've bathed and massaged and yes. curated. So if you're making ice cream, mm-hmm. um, and like if you've ever had vanilla bean ice cream that right. has the, the speckled dots, yes. if you're having like true home-baked goods that has used true vanilla, you should see the vanilla seeds in it. Right. Okay. Um, however, vanilla bean ice cream is the best. It is the best. <laughs> Most of us are more familiar with the liquid version of vanilla. Right. Like or that's vanilla what I'm use. extract. Yeah. Now you can create pure Madagascar vanilla extract. Uh-huh. Um, you would do that by soaking these very expensive vanilla beans mm-hmm. in an alcohol solution. Um, typically a rum or a vodka. Um, you want to use high quality alcohol to create high quality extract Mm -hmm. um and if you are purchasing it from a store and it says that it is pure vanilla extract Uh the only ingredients and you should check should be vanilla beans alcohol and water okay if it lists other additives like sugar artificial color or flavoring it's not using a true vanilla bean. Yeah, it's just imitation vanilla. Right. And I probably have imitation vanilla in my cabinet. Probably. Let's be real. It's cheaper. <laughs> Way cheaper. Um, and it's just... It's imitation vanilla for a reason. Uh-huh. But 
I want to get back to those laws I mentioned at the beginning okay. and like that idea of how potent is vanilla extract. Mm -hmm. So according to the FDA in America, true pure vanilla extract must be a minimum of 35% ABV, ABV. Damn. If it is lower than that, it cannot be sold as vanilla extract. Wow. So you can get wasted on vanilla extract. Yes. It is basically the same proof as a rum or vodka. Wow. See, but I've tasted vanilla extract and it doesn't taste good. We're going to get there. Okay. <laughs> so you might be saying, and I asked myself this, if it is the same proof as rum or vodka, why is it not regulated the way rum or vodka is? Like anyone can buy it. Like right. 12 year olds can buy vanilla Exactly. Extract. And this, in true American liquor history fashion, boils down to one word, and I'm going to give you one guess. One word? Uh, prohibition? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. The only reason we can sell vanilla extract in any grocery store in America is because of prohibition. Interesting. So, as the Volstead Act was about to begin, there is an association at the time called the Flavor and Extracts Manufacturers Association. Okay. Known as FEMA. Founded in 1909. Decades before, like, the Federal Emergency okay. Management Association. Yeah. But they did go by FEMA as well. Um who manufactured flavor extracts. Okay. And, like, that was their whole business. And they were like, wait a second, you're about to put in this law uh -huh. that's going to prohibit alcohol. Right. But we're creating flavored alcohols, basically. Right. Um, and so they lobbied for, like, the years leading up to the Volstead Act um, with thousands of letters and arguments and parades and all these things saying that the alcohol used in flavor extracts should be exempt from prohibition mm -hmm. because the food industry would suffer yeah. without flavor extracts. Right. I and, agree. And so by the time that the Volstead Act went into effect, it included a clause that made an exemption for flavor extracts as long as they were deemed non-potable and a reasonable person would not want to drink them straight. Which is why they don't taste good. Oh. Interesting. Because I was like, well, why wouldn't people just get wasted off it during Prohibition? And believe me, I too have licked my finger while like making something... Vanilla extract is not good. It's disgusting, but it makes food taste great. Right. It enhances flavors <laughs> yeah. in it because it is so condensed. Like, okay. um, condensed is not the word. It starts with a C. Concentrated? Concentrated, yes. So, like, it has a high alcohol content, but that vanilla flavor is so concentrated that it's not until you mix it into a batter Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a something where it really accentuates the flavor. Okay. So, I mean, 
it smells so good. Like every time I open vanilla extract, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh man, this smells so good. And so like I licked it like off my finger once and was like, oh, it does not taste the way it smells. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it just, it boggles my mind a little that a hundred years later, you can still walk into any Target or ShopRite or grocery store and buy vanilla extract. Right. Not knowing it's 35% alcohol. Yeah. But we have to go to a whole separate store to buy freaking rum and vodka. Yeah. Um, and even once Prohibition was repealed, that groundwork had kind of already been laid. That uh -huh. vanilla extract. And really, it is only vanilla extract that has, like, certain laws. Mm -hmm. Even though it there are so many other flavor extracts that kind of fall into that loophole. Yeah. Um, that it is a completely different kind of beast when it comes to laws versus liquor. Um, vanilla extract falls under the jurisdiction of the Food and Drug Administration uh -huh. versus the stricter government regulations for, like, alcoholic spirits and liqueur. Uh-huh. Um, even though if you were to blind tape, like blind, ha like have a chemist blind test, they wouldn't be able to tell you the difference chemically. Hmm. Like that's how potent vanilla extract is. Wild. Yeah. I had no idea. I know. And that, that my next sentence says, and to be fair, I'm 35 years old and did not realize how high the alcohol content was in pure vanilla extract. Yeah, no clue. I'm not even sure I've even ever bought it because I'm very cheap. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, in today's day and age, there are more and more cases of young people finding out this fact mm -hmm. and, and buying it and trying yeah. it. Um, purchasing large quantities of pure extracts and like drinking them to get drunk. But it is expensive. So you really have to, like, not be able to find alcohol in mom's liquor cabinet. Right. If you're going to go spend $20 on pure vanilla extract. Ugh, what a waste of vanilla extract. What a waste of $20. Um, Could have made so many good baked goods. <laughs> <laughs> Especially once we know how hard they work to make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so poison centers and emergency rooms around our country regularly report patients who've been hospitalized because of alcohol-based flavorings in their attempt to get wasted. Um, in 2004, doctors in Seattle reported um, a 16-year-old boy who had gotten drunk after his friends dared him to down a 12-ounce bottle of vanilla extract. And so my parting words is don't do it. Yeah, don't. That sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, I just... I'm. <laughs> Mind blown how potent vanilla extract is. I know. Is. That is so crazy. I had no idea. And of course, Prohibition had something to do with it tasting bad. <laughs> so I had um, four different sources. Uh, two of them came from bonapetit.com. One article was called, Why Don't You Buy Vanilla Extract in a Liquor Store? by Michael Y. Park. And the other was called, Where Does Vanilla Extract Come From? Uh, by Sarah Jappel. Uh, I also found an article on greatest.com. Very Vanilla, A Guide to Vanilla Types from Madagascar to Mexico. By Emily Capiello. And then my last source <laughs> was from kidsactivities.org. <laughs> 
which was actually a blog post written to um, warn parents. But yeah. it's kids are getting drunk, getting drunk off vanilla extract, and here's what parents need to know. Not actually kids' activities <laughs> that they should participate in. Um, and so that's my story on vanilla extract. All right. All right, and now it is time for our cocktail of the week inspired by the country of Madagascar. Uh, so we found a recipe for a, a cocktail that's called the Madagascar Cocktail um, that was created by Angela Burns, who is the lead bartender at the French Room Bar in Dallas. Yes. And so this cocktail sounds pretty refreshing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got vodka, yellow chartreuse, lychee syrup, lemon juice, and then Madagascar vanilla bourbon paste. That sounds so good. Although, I didn't know that there was yellow chartreuse. I thought it was just green chartreuse. I've definitely seen yellow chartreuse on menus. It blew my mind that there was another kind. <laughs> I don't know how, like, the difference between the taste that much. Yeah. But I've never thought of putting, like, vanilla paste in a cocktail. I feel like it would make it so delicious. I agree. I feel like I need to buy some Madagascar vanilla paste and like experiment with it like bake with it yeah cocktail with it like a, imagine like just a traditional old-fashioned and throwing in some vanilla paste Ooh. I think that'd be delicious yeah i agree a hot toddy vanilla paste <sighs> oh my god that sounds literally amazing i know i want it like right this moment i'm i didn't know this existed until this episode and I need it immediately. Oh, man. I'm, I'm Amazoning vanilla paste <laughs> to my apartment. It's probably a little pricey based on what you told us, but probably worth it. But I can do so many things with it. Yeah, you're correct. Um, also, I just Googled yellow chartreuse to see what the difference was, and it says that it's sweeter than green chartreuse. Oh. Um, and it's noted to have flavors of honey, saffron, and anise spice. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it says green chartreuse show, shows more prominent flavors of lime, citrus, and fresh cut herbs. Okay. So less herby than green chartreuse. Green chartreuse and a little sweeter. I'm down for it. Yeah. That with lychee syrup and vanilla. Yeah. That sounds literally amazing. Like, I, want, I feel like we need to find the ingredients for this cocktail. I need the Madagascar. <laughs> that Madagascar bourbon vanilla. We need it. Um... But yes, we will post the recipe and a picture of the cocktail um, on our Instagram. Yes, so if you're not following us, make sure you are. We are at a tap on the wrist. Uh, and if you try it, you should let us know how incredible it is. Uh, or if you have any story suggestions, you should email us at tapontheristpodcast at gmail.com. And until next week, cheers. cheers.